1,540 or in the big print in page 1,571. It's the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hi everyone. I hope you've had a, a, a good weekend. Have we had a good weekend? Yeah, I should say my name's Mike. Uh, I lead the church here. You're very, very welcome. If you've just joined, I had a good, good weekend. I actually spent most of the time looking for a helicopter, would you believe? Uh, one of my boys uh, was given a remote control helicopter for Christmas by his grandparents. Very, very posh present, very expensive. It turned up, there's a, there a story around it. Anyway, Friday was the day he could fly it. He ripped open the package. I was away. Bex is on the phone. She said, hang on a sec, I'll come with you. And he said, no, no, it'll be fine. And uh, it flew, it flew, it flew. It hovered, it soared, it soared, and vanished. <laughs> and uh, this expensive present um, has, has gone. So I spent the weekend looking all around our, our place in the car parks around us, uh, through brambles, trying to find this little... A helicopter, and the worst thing was that I, I couldn't get through, so I had to walk along this quite high wall, and I was thinking I mustn't fall off because there's all broken glass that side and, and sort of um, uh, brambles that side, and then I looked out, there's everyone in the office block going, oh, I hope he falls off, <laughs> and uh, I thought, great, thanks for nothing. Couldn't find it, and all I want to do this morning is uh, ask you whether you found what you're looking for. Have you found what you're looking for. We're all on a search, aren't we? We always have been. We always will be. This is the characteristic of human nature that is well known. We're all after fulfillment, meaning, happiness, that kind of thing. And we, we look for it in all sorts of different ways, don't we? And uh, our culture tells us all sorts of things will bring us this fulfillment. And there's the obvious things like money, uh, the more money you have, the more fulfilled and happy you'll be, is the theory. Uh, I asked a student recently, Look, what are the top three priorities of your life? He said, first, to make money. Second, to make money. Third, to make money. I thought, wow, gosh, you swallowed that one hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> Professional success also holds itself out as um, something that will satisfy us and give us meaning, and so we hustle and bustle, we work crazy hours, don't we? We check our work emails in bed uh, late at night and before we've got out of bed in the morning. Uh, we check them on holiday and um, trying to get that promotion. Others say relationships will cure the hunger. That elusive boyfriend will do it, or girlfriend, or husband, or wife. And uh, sex, of course, is also really, really build in a staggering way, isn't it? It's something that will satisfy us and fulfill us. And the more, more sex we have with more people, the better it will be. I don't know whether you saw that article with Jack Nicholson this week. He's 77. That's been his life philosophy. And uh, 
He, he sort of two times and triple times all the times and cheats on all his girlfriends. They call him Jack the Jumper in Hollywood, apparently. And uh, he spent a life just womanizing, seeking, he said, uh, satisfaction and pleasure. Fame is a big one, isn't it? Uh, this is quite a, a new thing culturally, relatively speaking, but power really lies with the celebrities now. No one's interested in the politicians they're worried about whether anyone's going to vote in May, but we all follow these celebs, don't we, where they go on holiday. And I was checking this, this week's hot-off-the-press stories. Apparently, um, Adam Lambert can now longer, no longer uh, travel on the tube because he gets mobbed, uh, he gets mobbed following his Queen concerts. Um, would you believe Cheryl has had to swim away from a shark while snorkeling in the Caribbean? And... Uh, all sorts of stuff like this. Um, deep questions are asked, aren't they, in the celebrity news. This week's one is, is Kim Kardashian's body a work of art? <laughs> Who thinks it is? Maybe we could do a quick straw poll and um, send it all in. Education is another one, isn't it? We think if we get that other degree or maybe a master's degree or a PhD, finally, that sort of hole inside will be filled or recreational activity. We get satisfaction when we beat Man U at home, whatever it is. Um, despite the uh, question, questing, though, the increasing bank balance, the promotions, the degrees, the further qualifications, the relationships, all this sort of stuff, uh, in our honest moments, we still um, kind of ache, don't we? Uh, and don't feel we've quite got where we want to be. Does professional success do it? Often not, if you... If you if you hear people who tell their stories. A friend of mine, he said, I, he, he phoned me up really, really excited. He said, Mike, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. I've got, the, I've got the job as the head of the, one of the most famous ad, ad uh, agencies in London. And I said, gosh, that's amazing. He said, you will never guess what happened on my first day. I said, what happened? He said, I turned up in this office. Uh, I had this PA. Um, she took me up to my office. It was full of designer furniture overlooking the Thames. She said, would I like some water? And I said, uh, be okay. She said, French or Italian? It's like, this is absolutely crazy. And uh, she, she said, just, I'll leave you for half an hour so then you can meet all the team. She closed the door. He said, you never guessed what I did. I said, what did you do? He said, I burst out crying. So I suddenly thought, oh my gosh. This isn't going to do it. I've spent two decades trying to get here. Does fame work? Well, it's been a good um, week, hasn't it, for page three. Girls, they've finally gone, probably long overdue. Um, I actually met Sam Fox, would you believe, on an alpha course, would you believe, 20 years ago at the height of her fame. And um, I remember talking to her, and she, she, she was all over the papers at that time. She was just saying, look... All this money, all this, um, all this celebrity is not doing it for me. Stephen Fry said recently, fame and money are hollow shams. Don't go there. It's pointless. What about sex? Well, Jack the Jumper said in his uh, interview at the end, you know, I've had everything a man could want, but I still have an ongoing yearning. We don't actually have to be famous millionaires a-list celebrities uh, to know the 
truth that actually these things don't sort of hit the mark at the end of the day. They're not bad. They're not wrong. They're actually uh, all wonderful things, but they can't hit the ache inside. Oliver James in the Times writes this. Many of us feel that there's something missing from our lives today. Despite unprecedented peace and prosperity, we're unhappier than we were. There's an epidemic of irritability, aggression, depression, paranoia, obsessions, panics, addictions, compulsions, relationships that are not working, careers that don't satisfy. We actually feel like losers, even if our status would seem to make us winners. The problem extends to some of the cleverest cleverest and wealthiest and most attractive people in the land. It's a problem, isn't it? I used to be a corporate lawyer, and it was when I sort of uh, got quite a lot of um, money, quite a lot of success, I started to question, hang on a second, is this going to do it? And it, it set me asking some questions about life that actually led me to do an alpha course. Where on earth, then, can we find meaning and fulfillment? I want to make a crazy suggestion for anyone visiting this morning that actually satisfaction can only be found in God. This is the Christian claim. Satisfaction ultimately can only be found in God. I know there's masses of skepticism around God uh, in this country at the moment, the whole new atheistic movement driven by Richard Dawkins, people like Christopher Hitchens. Uh, there's a sense in which God is dead, to quote Nietzsche. But um, actually, we still hunger for the transcendent, don't we? We still think or feel there's something missing when we walk away from these things. We still seek meaning. And I want to suggest this morning that this is nothing to be embarrassed about or to resist. You'll see from this slide, Albert Einstein said this, the person who regards his own life and that of their fellow creatures as meaningless is not merely unfortunate, but is almost disqualified from life itself. There was this guy, Augustine. He was a playboy in the fourth century. He doesn't look like much of a playboy there, but he was a playboy. He slept around, he lived a very lavish life. He was kind of possibly like a Simon Cowell of his day of sorts, but not really. I don't know why I said that. But anyway, <laughs> just ignore what I just said. He, he was, uh, let's not, let's, I love Simon Cowell, actually. I, I actually really do. But he became a major thinker. He came to faith, which uh, took him and his mother by surprise. And basically, uh, he said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And uh, he's had a massive influence uh, in Western culture. I don't know whether you agree with that, but actually, uh, atheist, atheist worldview leaders would uh, also speak of this human disconnection, this human ache. Nietzsche called it seasickness, Sartre, nausea. Christians actually diagnose it as homesickness. In the absence of a relationship with God, there'll always be a sense in which our hearts are restless, and there'll be a sense of us feeling homesick, a sense of uh, there's more, there's more connection that we need. And of course, God doesn't offers, offer us um, uh, objective sort of things. He actually, what he offers is himself. He offers us relationship. 
That's why connecting with God, according to those stories Jesus told, that we heard read, is so valuable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. Connecting with God is like treasure, according to Jesus. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. It's worth selling everything and, and, and getting rid of everything just to have this connection with God. Or again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. You see, all these other things I mentioned are wonderful. They're important. Uh, we're all caught up in them. But actually, only God can fulfill this ache. Only God can take this restlessness away, which is why he's so valuable. I've said that to quite a few people over the years and lots of people who wouldn't come to church or normally come to church. Quite a number of them have said, the thing is, Mike, okay, I get the theory, but to be honest, I don't really uh, want anything to do with God. He's angry, he's judgmental, he's out to get me. Actually, God is a God of love who is for us and not against us. This is what the Bible uh, affirms. The Bible actually says things like this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. Other people say the thing is, okay, God is a God of love. I can get that, but you don't know what's going on in my life. It's such a mess. God would never, 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 ever be interested in me or want to have a relationship with me. That's not true. And I want to illustrate this by some drawings of mice. Bear with me. Bear with me. This might make sense. It might not. I'm taking a risk here. But here's this nice, neat little mouse. Well drawn. All the coloring is within the lines, you'll notice. There's a little blob on the thumb that slightly got over the line. Oh, dear. We often think, don't we, in life with God, that we have to be like that mouse, neat, together, tidy, organized, resolved, perfect. And we have this equation that goes something like this from the next slide. So long as I'm a neat little mouse like that, God will love me. And this is a problem for us in the church. It's a problem for people who don't come to church. The truth of the matter is, though, according to Jesus, we're all rather messy mice. This is what we're like. <laughs> None of us are perfect. Look around. We all look pretty good, don't we? I mean, I look pretty good today, don't I? I've got my best clothes on. I haven't tucked in my shirt. Sorry about that. But, you know, we all, we all, we all look good, don't we? We all, all, we all look pretty, don't we? But I don't know about you, there's so much mess in my life. It's just so much mess. I used to be uh, an alcoholic. Uh, I, there's just so many problems I've got. I, I do crazy things I don't really want to do. I say all sorts of things I don't want to say. I have all sorts of ideals and stuff that I want to try and do. I just can't get them. My new resolutions went out of the window on the 2nd of January. It's a mess. And God says all people are like this. But actually, he loves us nonetheless. You'll see on the next slide. God loves us. And this is strange. 
but he sent Jesus to die on a cross for us to actually give us this opportunity to have this relationship with this God who loves us. And he's not after perfection. It's one of the great lies. He's actually just after devotion. So, did that mice thing work? Good. I wasn't sure, so there you go. What we're going to be doing on Alpha is exploring some really weird things Jesus said. Uh, These sorts of things. You'll see from these slides. These are the sort of things Jesus said. I am the door into life. You want life? Jesus says, I'm the door into life. The next one. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not ruin your life, condemn you, turn you into a Christian weirdo. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Do you ever feel burdened and laden? I'll give you rest. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, will see the light of eternal life. If you come to Jesus, start this relationship, you will enjoy eternal life. And then this final one. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and him with me. You might feel like a mess. You might have so much problems. Jesus actually is knocking on the door of your heart, wanting to come in to your messy life and to relate with you and to restore you and to bring healing to you and laughter and joy into your life. These are the things we're going to be exploring uh, on Alpha. So I encourage you, if you can be bold, to just come along on the 3rd of February, uh, 7 o'clock. Fill out a form. It would help us just so we can cook some great food for you. And uh, you'd be very, very welcome. On the first night, I'm just going to speak on this title. Is, is, is there more to life than this? Is there more to life than this? And then I'm going to look at Jesus and uh, evidence for his existence. I'm going to look and try and explain what, what he did on the cross. We're going to look about the Bible. What do you mean it's relevant today? We're going to look at that. What about prayer? What about how can we personally experience God? These are the sorts of things we're going to explore on Alpha. And by the way, you're very, very welcome to come along. Do come along. And if you want to help, uh, if you're a member of the church here, we could do with some more people to help us set up and clear up. If that's you, do sign up at the back too. Let us know you can help. Enough from me. I want to introduce you to Sarah. I haven't seen Sarah this morning. She's here. Hooray. And uh, Sarah comes to the church, and I just want to ask her a few questions. Um, thanks for doing this, Sarah. I really appreciate it. So, Sarah, have you always been a Christian? Um, no, I've been a Christian now for probably about seven, seven years now. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a bit about yourself. You know, were you brought up in a Christian family. What was your life like? Um, so, no, I was, yeah, I was brought up going to church when I was very small. My mum was a Christian, and she used to take me and my brother and my sister to church, and, um, and that was good, but there wasn't that much going on for children at the church, and so probably by the age of about 10, I um, just got a little bit bored, and so stopped going. I just stayed at home. My dad wasn't Christian, 
and just, yeah, that was it for me. And then um, my dad became a Christian a bit later when I was about 12, um, and I still wasn't that interested. They went to church, but um, I didn't really give much thought. I had, I did have a few difficult times in that time during my childhood, um, and I really lost a lot of confidence. So I grew up feeling, well, really lacking in confidence. And, um, but just got on with life. I lived a typical, probably teenage life. I went out lots and just enjoyed going out, going to parties, socializing, went to uni. It was great. And just all through those years, I didn't give much thought to God at all. And it was probably, well, about 11 years ago, my dad became ill and he, he died very suddenly within a month of becoming ill. And it was a big shock. I spent most of that time with him in hospital, watching him and just being with him. And for me, it really started me thinking he, he wasn't scared at all. He, there was so much peace um, surrounding him. And it really made me start thinking. He was, a, he was a Christian. He had a faith. And, you know, just seeing him like that, it just started me thinking. Um, but it was also quite a vulnerable time for me. And I, just after this, I, I met um, a guy and we started dating. We, um, we I, I realized quite soon into the relationship that he was quite into part, wild parties. And so I started going out and at first, you know, I'd go out, lots of drinking. He um, would quite like to take drugs when he went out something that I didn't really ever see myself doing but he told me that if I really loved him that that's something that I would do as well and so a bit later on the relationship it just became normal for me so for the next year and a half that's what my life was about and for a while it really filled the sort of pain and the emptiness that I felt inside and um, so that's what it was about but it was during <coughs> quite a, a weekend drug-fueled, alcohol-fueled weekend in Ibiza that I collapsed. I was unconscious. I woke up the next day on a boat in the middle of the ocean, had no idea how I got there. And I just, I got home from that holiday and I just knew that this wasn't what my life was supposed to be like. And I wasn't happy. I was quite depressed. And I just cried out to God. I prayed. I hadn't prayed for a long time. And about a week later, out of the blue, the relationship broke up. Um, we were living together, and I just said, okay, you know, he said that he didn't love me, didn't want anything to do with me. And, um, and so, you know, somehow, I know that it was God gave me the strength to just say, okay, well, you know, you need to move out. And he did, and, um, and that was it, really. And it was then that somebody invited me to come and do the Alpha course. Um, so I, I came along, I felt pretty nervous about going into a church. I had been in churches before, but I was nervous. So, um, But I went along, met some really lovely people. I felt pretty ashamed of the life that I'd been living. And, um, but people were so lovely. And it was during that course that I began to sort of just understand God's love for me, his unconditional love, that he loved me just as I am, um, which I just thought was amazing. 
And, um, yeah, and I just realized that through, seeing, you know, through his death on the cross that I could have a relationship with him. And I just hadn't realized, I, thought, I had thought growing up that Christianity was all about rules and that it was about having this relationship and freedom. And, um, and it was amazing. I, I prayed a prayer on that course to just turn away from my sin, the sins of life I'd been living and I asked God for forgiveness, and it, I just had a massive sense of God's presence and just taking away all this rubbish and all this stuff um, that was inside of me, the mess, I suppose, and just a sense of real peace and joy that my life was in his hands, and it was really amazing. Um, so, yeah, and, it's, and since then it has just been great you know it's just amazing to know that um you know that jesus is with me always and that he he knows me intimately and that in every detail of my life he's with me and even though you know there's struggles and mess each day um he loves me and he's with me always wonderful wasn't that amazing let's give a round of applause thank you sir well done Brilliant. Well, we've come to the end of our service. What we're going to do, we're going to stand together and sing a, a final song. And um, during this song, a collection will be taken. Uh, if you want to support the work of the church, do. I know lots of you do, but feel no pressure to, by the way. If you're visiting this morning especially, uh, please don't feel you have to. Uh, contribute in any way. So let's stand together and I'll hand over to Josh.